this is Kara Foster from First Christian Church, Disciples of Christ in Madisonville, Kentucky, and you're listening to our sermons podcast. And if you want to find out more information, you can connect with us at www.madisonvilledisciples.org or come in person at 1030 College Drive, uh, Madisonville, Kentucky. Subscribe and enjoy these podcasts. So before I begin this morning, I wanted to mention a disclaimer here today. One of my esteemed colleagues in ministry pointed out to me that perhaps I should have rethought the message title because if you're looking in your bulletin, it says a fool and then there's a little space and it says Kara Foster. So live and learn and it's great to have colleagues who will keep you humble. I... um, I've always thought that Jesus cares about my sorrows. Jesus cares about my frustrations and my worries and my needs. And yet here today we have an example of a time when Jesus sort of couldn't care less. He's in a crowd and someone asked Jesus to settle a family inheritance dispute with them. And Jesus essentially says, look, not my monkeys, not my circus. He doesn't weigh in. And as you read this story this morning, you will see that Jesus takes this opportunity to not only weigh in on what this man wants him to do, but to also give us a lesson about faith. And so I invite you to read along with me this morning in Luke chapter 12. I'm going to begin in verse 13 says, someone in the crowd said to Jesus, teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. But he said to him, friend, who set me to be judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to them, take care, be on guard against all kinds of greed, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Then he told them a parable. The land of a rich man produced abundantly. And he thought to himself, what should I do? For I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and all my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night, your life is being demanded of you, and the things that you have prepared, whose will they be? So it is with those who store up treasures for themselves, but are not rich toward God. I think it's safe to say that this man regretted ever asking Jesus this question in the first place. He certainly did not hear the answer he wanted to hear, did he? But this is Jesus. He doesn't tell us what we want to hear. He tells us what he thinks we need to hear. You know, in the Gospel of John, chapter 10, verse 10, there's this beautiful phrase that I've always loved. I came so that they may have life and life abundantly. And here we are with a story of a man who's surrounded by abundance. And yet I have a feeling Jesus might say he's living the opposite of an abundant life. 
He's a rich landowner. He's had a great year of harvest. But Jesus calls him a fool. He's a fool. And through this story, we have an example of what not to do, of who not to be. So what's so bad about this guy, this guy they call a fool? Well, we know that he was already a rich man and he had a banner year of crops. But there's no mention that he gained this money unfairly. No mention that he exploited his workers or cheated the system. He's had a good year, and the harvest has been plentiful. Certainly nothing wrong about that. But there's so much harvest that he couldn't store it all. So he decides to take his old barns down and build himself some bigger and better barns. He says, I'll take down these barns and I'll build larger barns. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. Have you noticed this man is talking to himself? It's a totally one-sided conversation. He even is practically answering himself. I'll take down the barns. I will build bigger ones. I will have plenty stored away. I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up. It's all about him. Me, me, me. It's bigger barns. I'll take down the old ones. I'll say to my soul, he's completely wrapped up. His crops, his wealth, his farm, he's only thinking of himself. And the Hebrew scriptures, the Old Testament, is full of lessons about God's care and concern for others especially when it comes to farming. There are lots of examples in the Hebrew scriptures about caring for others as a farmer. Think of Leviticus. Now when you reap the harvest of your land, it says, you shall not reap to the very corners of your field, nor shall you gather the gleanings of your harvest, nor shall you glean your vineyard, nor shall you gather the fallen fruit of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the needy and for the stranger. I am the Lord your God. Or this one, when you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap to the very corners of your field, nor gather the gleaning of your harvest. You are to leave them for the needy and the alien. I am the Lord your God. We see so many examples of this concept of gleaning, of leaving something for others. Uh, the story of Ruth features gleaning. We know that it's mentioned in Job and Isaiah, and Deuteronomy, and Micah, and Jeremiah. Again and again, there's this message of care and concern for others. Here in Deuteronomy, it says, when you reap your harvest, you have, you, and then you've forgotten your sheaf in the field, you shall not go back to get it. It shall be for the alien, for the orphan, and for the widow, in order that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. When you beat your olive tree, you shall not go over the boughs again. It shall be for the alien, for the orphan, and the widow. When you gather the grapes of your vineyard, you shall not go over it again. It shall be for the alien, the orphan, and the widow. Again and again, we hear about God's care and concern for the least of these, for the vulnerable. And this rich man is a fool, not because he's had a great year of crops, but because he's only thinking of himself, not the immigrant, not the orphan, not the widow, not the poor, not the hungry, 
he's building bigger barns for himself. It's all about him. He even acts like he's the one in control of his life. I'll eat, I'll drink, I'll be merry. He doesn't need anyone or anything, not even God. And Jesus says, this very night, your life could be demanded of you, and it'll all be over, and whose stuff will it be then? One of the messages in this story is clearly a warning to us all about our relationship with our money and our stuff. Our Savior, church, our Savior was a homeless itinerant rabbi who had nothing and shared everything. He gave everything. One of our early Christian thinkers and writers, Augustine, once said, that God has given us people to love and things to use. And he described it being as sin when we get those confused and think it's things to love and people to use. And maybe there's a part of you today that recognizes yourself a little bit in this farmer, if we're honest with ourselves, of being preoccupied with our own selves, with number one in our lives, maybe even feeling a little too self-involved. Can you remember the last time you did something for somebody? Not, not family, not even a good friend, just something for somebody with nothing in it for you. This man is totally and completely about himself. He's self-absorbed. Here he is tearing down good barns to build bigger and better barns for all his stuff. And yet I think to myself an example of someone I want to be like. A man I remember well from my Tennessee days. He was a long-term food pantry volunteer. He was there when they opened up the food pantry and he was a steady and reliable volunteer. And when I knew him, he was still volunteering up into his upper 80s. And um, when his sight began to fail him too much, he no longer could drive. He would hitch a ride with whoever was volunteering with him that day. And his vision got so bad that it was even impacting his ability to volunteer. And he always made a joke out of it when he would help load people's groceries up to them. He would say, now... Uh, I think this is hamburger meat, but it might be steak for all I can see. So enjoy whatever I'm giving you today. He had a great sense of humor. He always loved to eat at our church whenever we had a meal. He was a member of the Presbyterian church. But whenever there was a covered dish dinner at First Christian, all of a sudden he was a member of the Christian church. He was a great guy. And one time I went to see him in the hospital. And I think I was trying to tell him, hey, like you can... Put your feet up for a while. Take a break. He's 89. And he was telling me, no, no, I hope I can get back to my shift next week at the food pantry. And I still remember him saying to me, what am I going to do? I'm, I'm just going to sit at home. I know that life is meant for serving others. My faith has taught me that a long time ago. And I hope to be able to do that as long as God lets me. Abundant life. Abundant life. And meanwhile, here is our example today of a fool, of what not to do, of who not to be. He's tearing down his barns. He's building bigger ones. He's congratulating himself. He's priding himself. 
And what he has, although it is already so much, it's not enough for him. He wants a little bit more. You know that feeling? You tell yourself when things are just a little bit different, when things, when I get this, then my life will be so much better. And meanwhile, there's that quote, I don't even know who said it, but the secret to having it all is knowing you already do. That feeling within us of never fully being satisfied, of never recognizing that what you have is already enough. Jesus calls this man today a fool. Your life can be demanded of you tonight, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So it is with those who store up treasures for themselves, but are not rich toward God. So it is with those who store up treasures for themselves, but are not rich toward God. That's the thing about this passage. We start out reading it, and we think it's a message about our wallets, but it's also a message to our hearts, too. That feeling of always looking out for number one. And if we aren't careful, we can spend our whole life like the greyhounds at the races, chasing a fake rabbit in a game you can't win. Because it's rigged. No matter how fast and how hard you run, you're never going to win that race. And here is Jesus offering all of us a different way. I came that they might have life and life abundantly. So what are the good gifts of God's abundance in your life today? The fruit of the harvest, so to speak. Is it family, friends, a dog who loves you no matter what, a new cat at home, health, air in your lungs, education, a job, this church? What is the good gifts of God's abundance in your life? You know, I mentioned the memory of my own. I remember back in Tennessee, there was a kid in our church who was a part of our youth group on Wednesday nights. And she had pretty much every strike against her that you could imagine in life. She had uh, lived in poverty, uh, parents struggled with addiction, violence, experience of violence in her house. She had everything, everything up against her. She was a great kid, is a great kid, uh, just a really hard home life. And I was in the midst of my own trenches of life with two babies and a full-time job, and I knew she needed a little money, and so I said, how about you come to the house and I pay you to watch these little angels here while I do some work at home. And she said, sure. And so I went and got her. And we didn't live, I mean, we probably lived less than two miles apart. And I brought her to my house, my typical three-bedroom, very normal middle-class house. And she walked in behind me at the front door and she said, wow. Pastor Kara, you have a Pinterest house. This is amazing. Oh my gosh, this is gorgeous. You're rich. And I'm telling you, you couldn't, I was so uncomfortable. I'd probably change the subject as quickly as she was going on about it. She was ooing and on all over the house. And she helped me with the kids that day, and I took her home. And I still remember coming back through the doors of my house and seeing it in a whole new way. What are the gifts of God's abundance in your life? 
take a moment to just call those things to mind with me this morning. What are the gifts of God's abundance? Now, here's the harder question. How can you use the abundance of your life to serve others? How can you use that abundance to serve others? You see, I had to ask you that question today. I'd be foolish not to. Amen. Amen.